Oxfordshire News Podcast with Jack FM's news team. Hi, I'm Emma Kerwin. And I'm Leisha McKenna. And you're listening to the latest episode of the Oxfordshire News Podcast by Jack FM Oxfordshire. This app is all about coronavirus and football. Yeah, so we've been exploring the impact that the pandemic is having on Oxfordshire's football clubs and their fans. So here's what's coming up. It just feels very strange playing football with nobody there and without that atmosphere, a cheer of a goal. We've had to adapt without any box holders coming in, without any fans coming in. Early on, there was MPs sort of trying to dig out footballers and saying they should be doing more. And I think footballers naturally get a lot of stick. We've seen an upturn in who is attending our free Facebook activity sessions, the fun football session. Part of people's mental health, for a lot of people, that's their release on a week. And if that gets taken away, what have you got? You know, I suppose some of them don't have Sky, BT Sport. Okay, so let's start with Oxford City Football Club first, Emma. Tell me a bit about the club. Based in Marston, they compete in the National League South, the sixth tier of English football, and play their home matches in Marsh Lane. The club have been allowed to play during the pandemic, but there is still a big question about whether the season should be cancelled. The club is also home to Oxford City's college and education programme, Oxfordshire Netball and the facilities used by the community. David Oldfield is the boss of the first team and took up the role during the pandemic as if starting a new job isn't hard enough. I chatted to him about how the players have coped since the pandemic hit in March. How the players have coped, I think, is is the real key aspect on this. It's about keeping the players safe. The staff as well, absolutely, and everybody in the club, but keeping the players safe. And the players at Oxford City, and I think actually players generally, uh, we, we see the big boys in the Premier League and, and we're fortunate enough to be at a level to play at this moment in time. But I think all, generally all the players have, have really handled the, the differences, the changes. They understand what it's for and why it's done. Uh, I think their ability to to adjust and improvise when need be ha- has been really good. I think it's, as I say, that's been the case all the way across the board, I think. But in our in our club, where we we can concentrate more, our players, Oxford City players have been sensational, really, in terms of understanding any changes that happen, the restrictions in getting changed before games, our warm-up changes, where we have our meetings how we do things so that ability just to sort of to go with it and to to have an open mind to any changes as necessary has been really important i think on a on a on a personal point of view on on a person point of view i think it's really important we we bear in mind players his families and when we when they travel and how they travel and all that sort of stuff And, and those adjustments and changes that the boys have just accepted when when need be so it's been a really good attitude for that during the lockdowns when the team couldn't play, how were you ensuring that they were getting that positive endorphins? It's fascinating how football maybe in the last 5, 10, 15 years have really embraced and opened up its mind to, to, the, uh, to the attitudes and, and, and work ethics of other sports and other businesses, how they can affect football. And I think this is a really good example about how football is, is exactly the same. Sometimes it thinks it's special football, but it's not. It, it's within the fabric of everything else. And we have to do the same as everybody else. The boys would work hard at home, we'd set their individual programs. We, we, would, we would, on the one hand, ask them to keep moving and get on, on, on the move and do some specific work. And, and on the other hand, we would demand that actually these are the days where you do have to 
to do the work and, and get to a certain level of speed or a certain level of aerobic endurance or whatever and, and to kick, really kick those endorphins in like you say. And finally, what about a message to the fans who are missing coming to watch the first team play? We, we really want to pay attention. We really want to emphasise how important the fans and the community is to, to a club like Oxford City. Actually, I know how important it is in Oxford. I was at Oxford United for a spell. I know how how important it is to them, and, it, and it's extremely important to us too. So that Oxford community with that football and, and supporters, I know how passionate it is, and, and I know also that how much we've missed them. Emma, it's been it's not just lip service. We really have missed them, the noise and, and the atmosphere they can generate. I'm hoping that they're following from afar, and I, I know that we have a good stream of the games. Uh, that they can follow and, and I'm hoping that that uh, is enabling them to, to support the players and to drive us through and, uh, and it, it's a very important to us and we do miss them. We'd love them to have them back and as soon as it's safe uh, I'm sure they'll come back in, uh, in the numbers. The National League and its North and South Divisions are the only levels of elite football that do not test players for COVID-19 regularly. David thinks that is a priority. On to Justin Merritt, the director of Oxford City. Now, he told me how they've had to adapt, his thoughts on fans being allowed back into stadiums and more. It's obviously got, again, a financial impact, um, not having spectators uh, and also the secondary sales of when when people go to matches, they they like to use the bar and and the the, the food outlets. Uh, So all those secondary income strands of, of ceased at the moment but actually what we found is um, it just feels very strange playing football with nobody there and uh, you know without that atmosphere a cheer of a goal a, uh, a, a moaning at a referee's decision all of those kinds of things that make football what it is and also with the children's football um, we're used to having lots and lots of spectators cheering on their grandchildren sons daughters uh, etc and that hasn't yeah so it just feels completely different Um, and and what we've had to try and do is connect with all of our community our our supporters Um, we are able to stream our games at the moment so we've we've invested in in the technology and the cameras and personnel to be able to live stream Um, so we are connecting with our our supporters but moving forwards um, there is so much uncertainty uh, because football at our level, we, we don't know whether we're going to receive any more government grants. Um, there's opportunities for loans, which we're considering as well to keep us going. But it does make it very, very difficult when you you don't know when spectators will be allowed back. We've, we've actually planned quite well. We're, we're OK at the moment. We've, um, we've got resources for certainly a few months and... Uh, Hopefully in that time, we'll have some resolution with government funding and support or loans that we'll need to um, secure the long-term future. Do you have an idea of when you would like to see spectators return? We would never want to return until it's safe to do so. While there's the risk of variants that, that can't be controlled or, you know, it, it is risky. However, you're less in, in that environment, you are less likely to tra- uh, the transmission in an open air providing you socially distanced so i think it's it's all about safety really and uh, but we will be ready when we are allowed to do so and uh, it would be great to see football back and people back you know with supporting it as well and 
not just at the elite level, but for young people, it's it's really important in their their mental well-being. That was Justin. Now we're going to hear from his wife, Louise Merritt, who told me about how the club are trying to help the local community. We've seen an upturn in who is attending our free Facebook activity sessions that we do on a Saturday morning. So 10.30 every Saturday we do a Facebook Live. Uh, it's a fun football session and it, children who are ages between four and upwards really can take part. We do two levels of variations of the activity so they're sort of easier for younger ones and harder for older ones. And what's happened is is in the families coming to collect or us delivering and, and chatting on the doorstep, uh, they are definitely making a more um, active, you know, an awareness around being more active and taking part in these sessions. So we've had um, an upturn definitely in who in who is uh, interacting with our free live sessions, and also, um, yeah, a huge, um, I suppose, thankfulness from them for the boxes that contain a variety of items. So we mix the items up each week. Um, and we also include fresh meals that are freshly prepared by the Oxford Food Company. So they've got one meal that comes to them as ready prepared and, you know, um, balanced out nutritionally so that it, it would suit the whole family, along with um, bags of fresh produce that they can produce their own meals with and things that accompany that as well. And if someone listening to this is thinking, right, I actually could do with a little bit of, of help, how would they get in touch with you? They can contact us via our Facebook page, so Ignite Sport UK Facebook page. Uh, we can emails, phone calls, however they feel comfortable getting in touch. Um, a good starting point sometimes, if they would rather that the contact is made by somebody else, then is to speak to their school and ask if they can contact us, because some schools are putting groups of families forward, which is absolutely fine. Um, so, yeah, Ignite Sport UK social media is, the, is, is a quick reference place to look. And our website also obviously has email addresses and uh, phone numbers that are easily available to contact us. If you or someone you know might need one of the health and food boxes that Louise mentioned, visit oxfordcityfc.co.uk for more information. Oh, wow. So there's loads going on at Oxford City and it seems pretty similar at Oxford United. So they're currently sitting in ninth after a great win away at Bristol Rovers this week where both new signings, Elliot Lee and Brandon Parker, both scored. Um, so they've had a brilliant run of matches through the pandemic and especially since Christmas. They obviously had their, their nine wins in a row, which was marked in their 3-1 win against AFC Wimbledon last week, which is so impressive. It's a victory that's exceeded the previous club record of eight successive wins since November 1982 and January 1983. And that was under manager Jim Smith. And then, as mentioned a minute ago, in more recent news, they've obviously signed some brilliant new players. Brandon Parker was um, from Glasgow Rangers, and then forward Elliot Lee was signed from Luton Town. They've also got Luke McNally from Ireland, so he came over from St. Patrick's Athletic and joined on a a three-and-a-half-year deal. And then there was also defender Joe Grayson, who came from Blackburn Rovers. So they, they got some really, really good signings in there. And then they've also been doing so much to help and support the community through the pandemic. They've been setting up virtual coffee meetings and um, carrying out welfare checks through the pandemic and to help tackle loneliness. They're out promoting physical and mental health too. So yeah, it looks like they're doing great on and off the pitch. So now we know how the club are doing, let's hear from Peter Rhodes-Brown, also known as Rosie. And he played as a left winger for Chelsea for four years. He's now the business development manager at Oxford United and has said that iFollow has been really important for the club during the pandemic. We've had to adapt without any box holders coming in, without any fans coming in. So our hospitality has been zilch uh, from March, but we're still, we've had a match sponsor every game. 
we've had advertising going on because we're on iFollow a lot now. Um, so the coverage that we're getting on iFollow is still massive. If it does go through to the end of the season without supporters, we take the money that the supporters have given us for the season. We do as much as we can through the social media side of it. The club shop's selling online a lot more now, which is great. So there is revenue coming in, but not the level. You can't do a lot, Emma. The problem is, if, if that is the way it is, it is the way it is. We just have to tighten our belts. Tiger, who's the chairman, has given, obviously, the manager a budget to work with. We just hope that you know, the Gaffer keeps continuing to get the right sort of players out on the pitch so we can get promotion, which will be such a financial game. If the players keep playing like they're playing at the moment, you know, we've got a few games in without a defeat. If we keep that going, you know, we creep up the league, we never know, we might get to the playoffs. Again, financially, that's a bonus. And an Oxford United fan has said watching football is a release that people look forward to after a week at work. So that's from Alex Knott from Littlemore and he's played for Oxfordshire County, Botley United, Whitney Town and more. And he's among the fans who are missing watching United play live. Um, so he's been chatting to Emma about how Oxford United have supported his little girl and why he wants the public to stick to the lockdown rules. I was injured and I just thought, is it worth going back? Because you know, I was just Charlotte's Karen for five years after that, after she got sick in 2010, which is a shame, you know, but she's a she's a fighter. And it sort of puts it in perspective, really, when, you know, do you either look after your little and or carry on playing football twice a week when, you know, it just wasn't feasible at the time, mm. you know, because of like, what care she needed. But we had, we had Oxford United for that. So let somebody else do the running. How did Oxford United support you then? We um sort of doing a lot of, you know, fundraising for prosthetic limbs to start with, you know, but we didn't really know where to where to go. And a guy called Tim, who used to run the Priory, which is a pub opposite the Cassam, it's not there anymore, which is a shame. But, um, yeah, he got in contact with me and we'd done a few bungee jumps, as we did um, at a local pub as well, as Swan we did. So, yeah, I've thrown myself off of or out of anything to raise a bit of money for prosthetics, you know, and a lot of money was raised there. And then Oxford United got wind of it and they'd done um, something called United for Charlotte, and I think it was the Roxdale game now where they'd done a, a text-in thing. So everyone, at the half-time, there was about 8,000 people in there in the end. Uh, yeah, everyone donated a pound at half-time in the ground. You know, you could see it on the little screen. You know, Peter Rose Brown, he was, he's been superb ever since, you know. Along with, um, there was another charity as well called Special Effects who deal with um, uh, computer games for disabled children. Yeah, that was all sorted out by Oxford and Tim Rackley as well, which is... You know, yeah, it's they've been superb ever since I've gone there now. Even the other day, you know, everyone still remembers Charlotte and, you know, she coming back. You know, she's meant to be coming out on the pitch this season, but obviously that hasn't materialised yet for obvious reasons. But, yeah, she's uh, they've been superb, Oxford United as well, yeah. You get this perception of football as being, you know, a bit standoffish and, you know, a bit above himself, but... You know, we, I suppose we're lucky to have a club like Oxford who, you know, especially, you know, they have players like James Constable, you know, and he's, I'm still friends with him on social media now and, you know, always wishing us well. Obviously, you are an Oxford United fan. How have you missed yeah. actually being able to go to the matches and, like, the pubs, just the whole thing, really? Part of people's mental health, you know, because for a lot of people, that's their release on a week. You know, that's their go-to thing. And if that gets taken away, what have you got? And then you can't even go to a pub to watch any other football. 
you know, and some of them don't have, you know, I suppose some of them don't have Sky, BT Sport, you know, not lucky enough to have that, you know, because they choose to spend their money on something else. But, you know, everyone's, you know, in a different situation. You know, that's not for me to say, but I think, you know, especially the kids as well, we live for it. My biggest thing is until people start doing as they're told, they're not going to open it again. So if you think it's all right to go and have a party with just, you know, bend the rules a little bit by two or three of your mates going around and watch the sport together. If you can keep doing that, they're not going to do it. They're just going to, right, we'll just keep everything shut. Oh, fingers crossed that Charlotte gets to make her appearance during a United match soon. Of course, Oxford United and Oxford City aren't just the only football clubs in Oxfordshire, so I've been speaking to 10-year-old Stanley North, who plays for Blur Park Cavaliers in Oxford. The left wing-back told me what he misses most about playing and watching the football. Well, it's mainly um, being at the back with uh, the other two defenders, uh, Noah and William. Like, we have a link, like the Liverpool defence. Like, Noah, he's got the big fan dyke at the back, or the Robertson-Williams like the, uh, trend. That we just um, link up really well, which helps us win the league. And do you like to play football at school, like in your lunch breaks? Yeah, yeah, we always play. There's four of us at school that play for my team. It's me, Noah, Zach and Willem. A lot of us get together and we play at break time, but it's just annoying because like, there's not really a break time for us anymore. It's just play fever when you're done your schoolwork. And then how do you feel about not being able to go any, to any matches, maybe for quite a while? Um, quite, quite annoyed because it's just like... Watching them on the TV with crowd noises is not the same. Watching the players run around and there's like no atmosphere at all. There's no one cheering them on when they're down. Going to matches, it was really good because like you're all sat there uh, waiting for for the ball to be uh, put away, and it's like when it when it's a tight game, it's it's really intriguing because you've got. You've got, at one point, um, your team's almost scored, and at one point, um, you're almost disheartened because they've hit the bar, and I just really miss it. Thanks, Leisha, and I bet Stanley isn't alone in his frustrations at the moment. Now, I've been chatting to James Constable, a former Oxford United striker who now plays for Banbury United and is an assistant manager there. We talked about mental health, public perception, empty stadiums, and more with what's going on lately and, and there's been people sort of coming out and speaking which is which is fantastic but I still think we're the, the smallest iceberg of what is a, a huge huge issue and I'm sure over, over the next few years the, the PFA and the FA and Premier League and, and all the other sort of organisations will have to invest more money into to sort of fixing the issues that the players go through especially no one's ever gone through this no one's ever played behind closed doors for, for large amounts of time, not seeing family, been cooped up in hotels, not being able to, a lot of the time there's 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 players that they live over here and their family might live in different countries. So um, I think it's very hard to, to, to sort of judge those players. And for me, it was, um, I think it's, uh, like I say, it, it is a big, a big part of football and, and it, it's good that people and players are coming out and speaking about it. But like I say, I think it's a, a the start of something that, that I'm sure as players feel more and more comfortable speaking about that, that I hope that they come out and, and be able to open up and let people know what they're going through. It's interesting what you said about how much money you might be earning, like that doesn't always equal happiness. 
Um, do you think that it kind of goes back to maybe public's perception about footballers and earning a lot of money and being able to do X, Y and Z and that people might not be as sensitive towards footballers? This sort of pandemic, I think, has shown a lot of good. Like there's a lot of good play, like say players out there that are Marcus Rashford, for example, doing what he's doing. And, and there's lots, Jordan Henderson at Liverpool, how he got all the captains together and put the money for the NHS. But I think early on, there was MPs sort of trying to dig out footballers and saying they should be doing more. And I think footballers n- naturally get a lot of stick. I think everybody always looks at money and looks at what they earn and looks at all the other things that, that go with it. And personally, I think the money is probably getting out of control in terms of wages but that's a completely different sort of conversation but I feel like they, they do get sort of the, the tough end of the stick and we always see the headlines and, and Phil Foden and Greenwood in the in the summer going and breaking Covid rule and, and then it all blows up and all footballers get tarnished with the same brush and I say there was a lot, a lot of footballers doing a lot of good stuff throughout the, the pandemic and, and making a real difference you, you just got to go onto sort of club websites and you'll see the work that the players are doing and I say it's probably not not shown in the media as much as it should be. We always hear the bad stuff, but we never sort of focus too much on all the good things they're doing. So, but I just think for players that there will be players that, that will be finding it tough. Just a lot of players play football for different reasons. I think for me, I enjoyed that that rivalry. I enjoyed the the, the, the crowd. I think I said I went back to an Oxford game a few weeks ago and. Uh, before the, the the third lockdown and, and and was watching it and I was just like for me I I think I would struggle to play in that environment like without being able to celebrate without having the fans there it, it just it's a huge part of, of why you, you want to get into football you you live for those moments and what's the plan for Banbury the league have been pretty poor I think from from my opinion like they've we've not really been kept up in the loop with with things that are happening and decisions have been made behind sort of people's backs and, and we're sort of hear whispers about seasons stopping on these dates and they, they haven't really but again I suppose you, you look on the flip side and no one's ever gone through this and no one's ever sort of had to deal with this type of, of thing so I can imagine it has been difficult but I think a little bit more transparency with, with the with the managers and the chairmen could could have probably fixed a lot of the issues and obviously we've, we've not been able to do what, what we've love doing and what we've always done so um it has been tough and, and and like i say i think for this season we're sort of the first second week of february and, and we've we've not heard for definite whether it's but i think everybody's sensible enough to realize that we'd, if we were to come back and we'd, we'd have 30 odd games to finish to, to get the season complete so the chances of, of that happening are slim and um i think now for us we've we've spoken the the manager and the assistant and me and the goalkeeper coach and the, the chairman at Banbury and we're, and we're sort of starting to look forward to next season now and, and hopefully plan for for some sort of normality in terms of going back that, that we'll have a, a plan in place that hopefully from the government or the league that's to whether we can have fans, what the regulations are going to be and, and stuff like that. But again, I think everybody's sort of in the dark as to, to what could happen and what, what might happen come sort of May, June time when the, when the season should sort of start up again. I contacted the Southern League about James's concerns regarding transparency. A spokesperson said the league has been as transparent as it possibly can with its member clubs during the pandemic, and an announcement about this season will be made shortly. 
Now, there seems to be a theme that fans are missing watching the football in stadiums and clubs are missing their fans. I managed to grab some time with Oxford's Jim Rosenthal to find out his thoughts on some of the things we've discussed so far during the podcast. My name's Jim Rosenthal. I I was born in Oxford over 70 years ago and um, via the Oxford Mail and via local radio in Birmingham and national radio, I then went to ITV and had over 30 years uh, on television broadcasting all sorts of all sorts of sports there is a reason why we call these things spectator sports and fans are an essential ingredient of any sport you've only got to watch the football on television well it is football but it's really antiseptic it's it's better than nothing but only just and the thing that is lacking in every single game is atmosphere is is passion is is the involvement of a crowd, no matter how big or how small, in what is going on in front of them. So playing sport without fans um, is 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 horrible, really, and remains horrible, and almost gets worse the longer it goes on. Fans, as you as you say, Emma, they wear a loud back briefly and got a little touch, and then this horrible pandemic struck again, and it couldn't happen anymore. When will it stop? My gut says. Probably for the rest of this year, I think we're going to have to do without fans. It's not what fans want to hear. It's not what anybody wants to hear. But um, while we're all confined to our houses and here we are in February, my gut says that it's going to be the vast majority of the year before any crowds of any description are going to be allowed back in back into football matches or back anywhere, back in, back into theatres, cinemas, etc., etc. Um, I think it's really it's really hard for for the players, for the performers as well lacking the boost that the crowd gives you. And you know, when, when I watch the football on TV, and I spoke to one or two pros about it, they're at it about 60 or 70%, I think, really. I think the whole intensity has dropped. The speed has dropped. They're playing so many matches as well, just to fulfill the contract. And it's really hard and no fan listening. And I hate saying this. I really do hate saying this. But I think 2021, the vast majority will have to put up with this horrible, horrible um, experience of fanless sport what do you think about football's role with mental health i defy anyone during these lockdown the last year to say oh no it hasn't affected me at all i'm fine hasn't you know anyone because it because you're the way you want to live your life has been pretty drastically changed i'm so pleased that people now are again having come through an era where if you showed any sort of weakness you were jumped upon really and 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 to say that i'm not feeling too good and especially mental weakness as well was was almost laughed at so i'm so pleased we've emerged from that and that people are much more aware now if a player all of a sudden goes quiet or starts behaving differently that that, that, that you hope it will be will be identified and I feel for them, and I feel that it's very. Listen, it's a it's a tough professional sport, professional football, whatever. It's a tough, unforgiving business, no matter what level you're at. And you you have to be mentally strong to be able to cope with a lot of the things that come your way. And and you know these these are very young men as well that that, that you know that, that are put into this scenario. And I'm pleased that clubs are are now much more aware and are identifying that 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 sort of problem really. And um, uh, and it's really, it is one of the effects of lockdown. Suicide rates have gone up. Depression rates have gone through the roof. It, it's, and it's not, it's not surprising. We probably only just scratched the surface on that as well. And that might be one of the long-term effects of this horrible pandemic too.
That was Jim Rosenthal, who reckons the vaccine programme will be a game changer in getting fans back into stadiums. And finally, I spoke to Julian, who's a member of the Bista Fossils Football Walking Club. The group has 140 members with ages ranging from 50 to 76. And the group also includes ex-Oxford United professional Peter Foley, who scored 71 goals for the Yellows. So I talked to Julian about the club and how they've been impacted through the lockdown. Um, so it's, it's an hour session three times a week and you can go to as many as you like or as little as you like and go as and when you like. Um, Games-wise, there are regular tournaments all around the country. Now that, obviously with coronavirus, so it's moved on, so there's virtual stuff now, isn't there? Yeah, so as a, as a club, uh, you know, Mr Fossils is, is just a big family uh, affair. So they, they do a weekly Zoom meeting, which is a bit like a coffee morning, and everyone, you know, has a cuppa and some biscuits or a piece of cake, and it's just a, a chat, mainly football-driven, because everybody's interested in football. From the mental side of things, just seeing some different people, different faces, um, it, it's good. You know, it, it, again, it, it's very much, you know, you have a chat and it's a bit of banter, but it's just something different, you know. So, you know, these people that, you know, you, you'd regularly see every, every week, you know, outside your family, and now with people just being stuck at home a lot of the time, yeah. you know, you're looking at the same four walls. So it, it does break the boredom. Yeah, I get that completely. Do you find that um, the walking football, like, helps you get out and stay active? Yes, definitely. Uh, you know, personally, I'm one of the younger members, but I'm not one of the particularly fittest members. But to go and actually play it, I, it's surprising how active you actually are because you have to play football on it rather than normal football where it's just pick and run. This You have to play football to feet. What would you say is the thing that you miss most about not being able to play at the moment? Uh, first, for me, it, it's, the, it's the family feel that you all get together. It's just you, you go out, you tr- try and win every game that you play or every, even every session that you, that you play. You're trying to win, um, but you don't. if you don't, it's not a problem. Everyone's having a laugh. On the sessions that we had previously, uh, before lockdown, everyone would, would play and then would go into the, ca- the coffee shop and everyone would have a coffee and a chat, discuss the, the game, etc. Yeah. So it's that side of it that, that you miss. Um, you know, and as as a unit, they do things like they always have a Christmas dinner. We go bowling, darts, Aunt Sally, they play foot golf and things like that. So it's it's more than just the football. There is lots to, as a unit you can do together if you want to. Um, but you can do as much and as little as you want. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Oxfordshire News Podcast. We hope you found it interesting. And those of you who are fans at home and missing going to the matches, I hope this shows that you're not alone. The Oxfordshire News Podcast from Jack FM.